Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 444. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you joining us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Morgana Ray. Morgana is head witch and money goddess at Charmed Life Coaching, Inc. And before any of you are like, what? Head witch. I just want you to know that we're going to address that later on because I was a little bit like, what? But be prepared for just a super fun conversation because we, I mean, Morgana, you and I have already shared with each other that sometimes we don't know what's going to come out of our life. I mean, or out of our mouth. See right there. (laughs) I guess that's true, though. I never know what's going to come out of my life. Do we ever know what's going to come out of our life? Anyway, I'm sort of rambling now, but welcome. I'm so happy to finally have you on the show. I mean, you were victim to my fire. So (laughs) welcome. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Speaking of, you know, not knowing what's going to come out of your life. That was exciting. Oh, I know. That was so an unintended segue. Listeners, if this is your first episode listening, there was, I think, I can't even remember at this point. It's been such a crazy couple of months. I do believe I did an episode where I explained the fire in our backyard, which was just crazy and just actually a gift. So go back and listen to that episode. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Which, by the way, you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp444. That's a little side note to you, too. You should Google 444. It's actually pretty amazing. But Morgana, I would love if you would tell the listeners more about yourself and give us a better introduction to you than I just gave you, because you know your story better than anybody else. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with the word witch, which is a little scary. My definition of witch is woman in total command of her power. And yeah, that's going to scare a lot of people. But I think that's what the planet needs. I And not just women. I think if all people were really in their power and really felt loved and valued and on purpose, all of our problems would be solved. And so, you know, I just try to inch that mission forward day by day, baby steps, helping myself and others feel more empowered, more loved, and more in alignment with what matters. And it's funny because I got this reputation for money, which means like the cosmic joke, because that's never really been my highest value. Like, I like to buy things like anybody, you know, that's, I'm not this renouncer of material stuff at all. But that's not what has ever really motivated me. What has really motivated me has always been more in terms of relationship and happiness. And even now, I think that the only purpose for money, the only reason to have money is to serve love and a great lifestyle and legacy. You know, make the planet better for all other beings too, because that's what makes human beings happy. Like a lack of money can make us miserable, but a lot of money has never made anybody happy. And I've coached thousands, tens of thousands of people by now. I've been coaching since 1996. And 
I've coached people who have like zero in their bank accounts and I've coached billionaires and I've seen the continuum and when you think you don't have money you think that'll solve all your problems and by the way it will solve some problems definitely but doesn't solve all problems and that's the thing that people who have money <laughs> discover and then they start worrying about losing what they have and what we really want to do is have a great relationship with money wherever we are on the continuum so that we can have a better life where we are free to focus on what matters which again you know my top three love lifestyle and legacy oh I love that I have to share with you, and this might be a little bit scary as well to listeners, but my oldest daughter is only four, and she hears a lot at daycare, and I don't know where or why other kids, and I'm going to say kids because that's what she told me, are talking about it, but they're talking about heaven and dying, and they're not talking about killing themselves or anything, I hope. But we've been having some pretty deep conversations about it, and she's intrigued by heaven and what she'll see there someday. But last last night or the night before, she was talking about it again, and I said, you know what? I said, we need to stop talking about that because there is still so much for us to do here. And just in the last couple of weeks, we saw somebody in, to be totally honest, the Walmart parking lot who was begging for money. And... I'm always alarmed to see how many people just drive by. Like, it seems so sad to me when I see people drive by who I know probably have at least something that they could give. So we turned around. I, I said to the kids, I said, can we just turn around and go give something? And I'm not trying to brag here, Morgana or listeners, but I was trying to teach my kids that we can give. And I said, you remember that lady that we helped who needed money? And she's like, yeah. I said, we need to stop talking about dying because there's still a whole lot more people like that that we need to help. I said, so can we stop talking about it and just start talking about who we can help next? She's like, yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. And no, it didn't occur to me as bragging at all. It's, I think, because I've been in this coaching personal development world for a really long time. And I've noticed that there can be a tendency among teachers and guru types to kind of dismiss all of the problems and suffering in the world here and now as like illusion or unimportant, not real. And I think that that misses the whole point. While we have bodies, this is our job. Our job is to make the world better and help others. And that can't be ignored. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you. No, and it absolutely can't be ignored. And the little cries for help that we sometimes just don't want to be listening to sometimes are the biggest ones that we do need to hear and just respond to. Yeah. So before we actually jumped into the recorded portion, we were talking for a quick second because I thought I, well, we talked for more than a quick second, but I thought I was misreading your information form for me because you said that you and your husband Devin have been married 20 times and you shared a little bit about your bucket list and I'm so intrigued because I've seen and talked to so many people who haven't even thought about a bucket list because just like you were just saying it's all about the money but where does everything else come in 
how long have you had a bucket list? And is this something that you ask your clients to develop as well? No, actually, like a bucket list, I never heard of it until it started coming out in movies. And But I've known since I was four and a half years old and chased Brian Patterson under the piano at his fifth birthday. He was my first love. I've been on a mission, like love. And that's the other funny thing about that I got so well known for these money results. But love has always been my primary motivator and my focus or obsession. And I've been looking for my person since I was four and a half, if not earlier, honestly. And I met my husband at the ripe spinster age of 45, and he was the one. And I knew maybe six months to a year in, I think I knew a year in that, yeah, we were just going to get married. We hadn't talked about it. He had actually told me on our second date that he didn't believe in marriage. He had been married before, and that didn't work out well. But then he said he'd be open to doing it again. He later told me, oh, he was lying. He just wanted to get laid. And yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> just many more days before that happened. But And then he proposed to me about 18 months into the relationship. I just completed my money goddess retreat in... Bali, and he was on a photo safari in South Africa, and he was getting up every morning at like 3 a.m. to Skype me in Indonesia. <laughs> and the whole week was this torturous week of conversations where he's every conversation began, I don't think you're the right woman for me because, or I don't think I'm the right man for you because, and my heart is just like in my throat, and I think he's breaking up with me. And then he would end every conversation, okay. I'm just having this conversation because I really care about you and I really want this to work. And then I'd like breathe a sigh of relief, like I could live another day. And so a week of this goes on. And then the final conversation along these lines ends with, I think we should get married, <laughs> which gave me complete whiplash. And I'd already decided like a year earlier that, yeah, when he proposes, I'm a yes. This is the person I had been dating for years and it was like I had x-ray vision and I could see the expiration date on every guy that I dated so I was this one date wonder because I could tell within the first day oh anger issues oh racism oh mommy stuff oh it's like the great thing about guys is they're so easy to read you know I'm grateful to be heterosexual because men are just <laughs> they're so much easier than us so in my humble opinion. No, so, I totally agree with you. That's why I'm laughing. I so <laughs> agree with you. Yeah. So Devin never had the expiration date. Like secrets about him would come out over time dating about his daughter. And he's such a great devoted dad. He was like, oh, I didn't think I wanted somebody who has a child. But his devotion to his daughter lets me know he's a great guy who takes responsibility and that suddenly became a plus sign, you know, the things that would make him wrong for somebody else, that he's not a nine to five guy, made him a better guy for me. So like flew, as soon as he proposed, I was like changing my flight to fly home early, picked him up the next day, eloped as soon as I could get it done before he could change his mind, you know, get, cross that off. It wasn't so much that I had a list. There are still some things like 
you know, swim with a wild dolphin because I had swim with dolphins and then I swam with a captive dolphin and that was just depressing. But really the only thing that mattered to me was I just wanted to be happily married at some time in my life because I love partnership. You know, I feel better as a person when I'm in partnership and I'm not saying that that's right for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's just me. So we eloped and I thought, okay, deal done. And then we called our parents and then we went shopping for rings the day after. And then we announced it on Facebook. And then maybe, I think, 13 days later, we were in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, because my husband is a travel journalist. And so he gets all these amazing trips and he talked them into letting me come too. So, and then we called it our honeymoon. And we're in Puerto Vallarta passing by their iconic cathedral and on a lark he calls it a goof he just said hey you want to get married again and I said sure so we walked in this is how we had our church wedding is we just walked into the front of the cathedral took off our rings exchanged vows and what he said hit me so much deeper this time we just made them up but what he said made me feel so loved And it felt more real than the first time. And now we had all these witnesses, all these strangers in the pews cheering for us. And I started crying. And it was just beautiful. And he saw how that affected me. And within a day, he had the idea, let's get married 100 times in 100 countries. That's amazing. And I said, yes, I would have settled for so much less. I just wanted somebody who would be nice to me. Really, you know? (laughs) Well, you and I haven't even discussed this, but I got goosebumps over here. Because I had seen the Bucket List movie. And then I created my soulmate spec sheet. Because I was ending my first marriage. And I was like, I'm never going to date somebody again unless they meet this list. And three weeks later, I met my husband on Craigslist. (laughs) And he never wanted to get married again because he had been married before. He never wanted any more kids because he already had two. And I already had two. And yeah, look at us now. It's eight years later after that. We've gotten married only once so far. But I always thought that was amazing. Like, I want to do that. I can't say I wanted. I want to get married again to him. And we talk about it. But here we are with three more kids and just, yeah. Well, here's the thing about weddings is we've had 20 weddings now, and we still haven't spent as much as we would have spent on one traditional wedding mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. I, it's really, to me, and we've had some crazy, elaborate weddings in castles with costumes and really just total Disney princess fairy tale wish fulfillment stuff. And then we've also had weddings on park benches and bridges. And we had one wedding in Serbia where... When my husband was saying his vows, and I remember what he was saying in this particular ceremony, it was poetry, so beautiful. And some of the people there started to boo while he was saying his vows, which is... What? I know. I wanted to, like, step down the stairs in my little kitten heels and punch out this giant Serb guy. But I had a moment of realization, first of all, it's not a good idea to punch Mm -hmm. out his you know, three times bigger than you. But I realized I'm not going home with any of those people. I'm going home with this man in front of me. Right. And that's the prize, not the party. It's not the wedding. I don't believe in pouring, you know, 
more money than you can afford into a party on a baby marriage. I think it's just a lot of pressure for a baby marriage. I Instead, I wanted to save it for a house, and we bought a house. But it was that moment where I realized all that matters really is the other person and what you're saying to each other. So I would say, hey, why don't you just have a wedding in your backyard with your kids in attendance? And it's all about what works for us with the vows is this is what I love about you. This is what I want for you. And this is what I want to bring to you. And if we have any formula for our weddings, it's that. I love that. So we wrote our own vows. Mm-hmm. But I can't really remember my husband's because what got my attention was when he took the paper out of his pocket. Like I was so scared that my vows wouldn't be as awesome as his. Um, I'm sure his were amazing. But again, what got my attention was he had drawn a heart on the paper and then written V-O-W-E-S in the middle. Uh, <laughs> hey, I always make my husband do the vows first because I know they will be better than mine. Uh-huh. And so depressing if I had my vows and then he outdid me. So I try to have him do them first so that I can have inspiration so I can up my game when it's my turn. <laughs> I didn't know positive productivity back then, but positive productivity is not about perfection. And whether you spell vows with or without an E, they're still pretty amazing. They're his vows. Yep, they absolutely are. Yeah. So I just want to take a second, and this is completely off topic from anywhere I saw, but as you and I already said, and I already told the listeners, we don't know where this conversation is going. So before we jumped in, we talked about the fact that the episode number is 444, which when we looked it up, just to make sure it was a good one, it was the messenger telling you to have faith and be confident that things are going in the right direction. So that leads me to think actually about women's empowerment and just being more confident in yourself. Have you always been confident in yourself and felt empowered? Or what type of journey did you go on to find that place and that position in your life? That is a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. I'm currently 51. Hallelujah. Because I have been very, very slow to come into my power and my confidence and my self-love. And I think that's honestly what fuels my coaching and my work. Even though, you know, people think I coach about money. What I really coach is the stuff behind the money, and it's the stuff that I've struggled with, and it's the stuff that every human being on earth struggles with, and it's what money represents. Money is just like a really, really convenient boogeyman because it gets our attention and honestly a matter of life and death. But money was just made up by people, but what it represents is why it's such a a sticky, messy, important area of pain. And it's because it's really all of our issues around love. Am I lovable? Am I loved? Worth. What am I worth? Am I worthy? And safety. Like, is this a safe universe for me? Am I safe to even live here? And this is the stuff that just comes up over and over again from the time we're born. Even You know, I I like to say that our first experience of money, and I'm kind of putting it in quotes, because money, honestly, is to a great degree a metaphor for life itself. It's just an area of life that really gets our attention. 
and it's nice and specific and the results are really great for marketing. <laughs> but our first relationship with money, I think, is our parents because they tell us what we're worth. They teach us whether we're loved or not. And they keep us safe or they don't. And it really, it starts in babyhood. And some of us had great babyhoods. And then the world afterwards was kind of a unpleasant surprise at times. Because, you know, the whole point of life is to be challenged and find the positive learning empowerment from it. So it's a tension where on one hand, you talk a lot about positivity and law of attraction. And I do believe that that's where we want to end up. But I also think that there's great untapped value in our challenges and in our victim experiences, or we wouldn't have them. I mean, it would be such a waste to have been through the pain that we've been through if we cannot milk it for gold. And so I think one of my biggest passions in life is learning to love and embrace our whole selves and to find the value and power in the parts of us that we really wish didn't exist. There are no bad parts. Everything in us and of us exists for the survival and ultimately the exaltation of the whole of us. So the eating disorder or the rage monster or whatever these parts are that we want to hide have messages for us that can be the key to unlock everything we ever wanted. So that's been my journey over a really, really long time and area after area. I had a, I was a chubby kid. My mother told me nobody would love me if I was fat. So I got to go on the eating disorder ride. <laughs> And I had the car accident when I was 16 that put me in a coma for a week and kind of took away who I had been up until that time, the straight-A student who could concentrate and learn and whip things out. And I lost all that for years. But my psychic abilities woke up. And I went on the money journey where I had the great East Coast college education and I had movie star clients and I had a great ear for marketing and I did everything I was supposed to be doing and I had mountains of testimonials and I had the website, the brochure, the tagline, blah, 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 blah. And I was living in LA struggling to make $100 a month, which by the way is, I say that with great pride and hope that like I'm a bigger failure in that area than anybody listening. I really pride myself now on just how bad I was in that area, in my desire to give you faith in yourself wherever you are on this continuum. And then, so there was the money thing, and if we have time, I'll, I'll walk you through that process. And then I did that process that I did on my relationship with money. I did that on my relationship with love because that was the biggest pain in my life. Like, I wrote my suicide note in 2012. Hmm. And I set the date, fortunately, far out enough that I wasn't suicidal when that day came. And then I met my husband that year. Wow. So it's just a process. I'm really happy now. And my life lesson will always circle around one way or another to how can Morgana learn to value herself? And I get better at it. But I don't expect to perfect anything while I'm breathing. 
I mean, that's kind of how we know we've got stuff to work on is we have a heartbeat. I love that. Because I used to think, you know, someday I'll have it all. Someday I'll know it all, right? But I'll never know it all. There's always going to be more awesome to learn. There's always going to be more amazing people to meet and more to give and more to do. Yeah. I was ready to end it all two years ago just because I was majorly sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And I had quite literally dug myself into the ground out of pure exhaustion. I didn't even know what side was up. And I'm just so thankful that the events of that night happened as I did because I can't imagine not being here now, like talking to you and just everything that my family has experienced just in the last two years. Holy moly. I mean, just in the past week, we finally bought our house. This is something that we've been working on in four years. And if I had given up two years ago, we wouldn't have gotten here. My husband could have done it on his own, but it would have been without me. And I can't imagine leaving that's not the legacy that I want anybody to leave. We gave up. There's always something more. We just had to live each day and look forward to whatever it is. Because even out of the bad, there's good. That, to me, is that's why I call my work alchemy. Because mm-hmm. alchemy is the transformation of lead. Like lead in human experience into spiritual and material gold. And one of the things that really grieves me in the personal development community is there is a very strong tendency to put a band-aid on what's going on. And when you do that, and years ago, my cat from college, we moved to a new house and he freaked out and he bit me. So I put a band-aid on it. And over the course of the next couple of hours, my hand and wrist got numb and this dark line started creeping up my arm. And if I had not gone to the hospital, I would have died that night from blood poisoning. Because when we put a Band-Aid on the wound, it turns inward. So what we really want to do is we want to suck it all out, bring it out into the light, not pretend it's okay. There are no like law of attraction police who are going to punish you for having low vibrations. We really want to find out what's going on, what is underneath this problem so that we can heal it. And, you know, it's interesting that you and I both brought up the suicidal things. I usually don't talk about that. And when I meet people who are in that place, I know what it's like. Yeah. My thing is just stay alive today. Don't even try to achieve anything more than that. And it does get better. And there's actually, in my work, when I'm doing the really deep stuff, a huge advantage for the person who is in that level of pain. Because that's the hardest part of the process is getting there. It's like it's creating a polarity, like a slingshot, that the farther you go into what you don't want creates leverage to catapult you into where you want to be. So it's like you really want to create this critical mass of horrible, whether it's, you know, stuff in your childhood or stuff going on recently. And people come to me primarily because of financial anxiety, whether they have none or they have tons. There's just a lot of financial pain and anxiety. But I found that the root cause and the solution to the financial situation is actually never really about money. It's about anything else that ever made them feel unloved or unlovable, unworthy or unsafe. So, you know, the accidents, the betrayals, you know, whatever you might be ashamed of, embarrassed about 
hurts, even, you know, really innocent things that you just formed really negative beliefs about at some point. That's where the gold is going to be. I just, I follow the energy wherever you have any charge, even if you've healed it a million times, if you can milk it one more time, do it. And when you have enough of what either was wrong in your life or is wrong in the world, like animal abuse, human trafficking, pollution, there's plenty of stuff that just doesn't belong in my life, okay? And what we do is when you have enough of that, and this is where it gets really weird. <laughs> I didn't go into like my story of how this came about, but just go with me on this because I've done it a lot of times. When you have enough of the pain, then you imagine that there's a person, an imaginary person who's responsible for all of it. I, we call that for convenience, the money monster, even though it doesn't actually have anything to do with money. But your relationship with money came out of these negative experiences that on their surface don't look like they have anything to do with money. But since money represents power and it represents a right to live and it represents love and worth, yeah, it all ties into money. Any abuse totally ties into our relationship with money later and very often our relationship with other things like other people, romance, our bodies. But we're going to pretend to focus on money right here because the results are easily measurable. So you have this money monster, and the more specific, the better. By the way, the money monster should never be your parents, because in step three, get rid of it and destroy it. And we don't kill parents on this show, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, I was actually picturing in my head what my money monster would look like, and I don't know if I should share that or not. Go ahead, yeah. The Wicked Witch of the West meets mm -hmm. a much uglier version of Hellboy. Like with the horns, but green, like a disgusting green. Sorry for all of you who like green. I'm not talking about beautiful money green. I'm talking about like puke green. And how does she make you feel? Poor and unworthy. Oh, yeah. What does she think to herself when she looks at you? Incapable, undeserving, unconfident, stupid. Yeah. What does she want to do to you? Keep me right where I am right now or send me backwards. Yeah. So if I were coaching you, so I'm going to do a little sneak coaching, if that's all right. Oh, I love it. So the more, the meaner she is, like this is very, very specific to you. The more powerful she is, she or he, the more human and real. Because there's a danger when it gets too cartoonish, we can cut off from the experience a little bit. We want this monster to be as scary and mean as possible we want to have a full body experience not just an intellectual game of it because we want to have real results and this is the way to get it is to have like have it deep in your heart and your body so there's like oh my god I can't be with this thing another second I just need to share with you a second in July of 2016 when I was ready to kill myself it was majorly because of money because I had been chasing income rather than impact I didn't even know what impact I wanted to make and I was laying in my bed crying. My husband was not in the room. He didn't even know I was going through all this because I hadn't shared with him. And with my eyes shut, I was seeing all types of evil monsters. And no, I was not on drugs. And no, I'm not psychotic, but the sleep deprivation can do amazingly horrible stuff to you. But I was seeing monsters with my eyes shut. So I can totally picture this. It's perfect. So what you want to do, you and anybody listening, is you want to tap into a person that you can really feel and believe. Mm -hmm. 
big is it? Is it hot or cold? These are things that I do with clients to get them into the state so that it's really experienced. My first monster was a big, scary, dirty, violent biker who terrified me. I have no idea where that picture came up or that experience. I have no bad experiences with bikers, but that one, I knew that if I were at a live event, I would have my eye on him all the time to create maximum distance between us. And that was the first time in my life that my financial situation made sense. So the hidden rule, hidden like I'm sharing it right now, is this monster that represents everything painful. Its ultimate reason for being, its ultimate goal is to kill you to make you not want to live, not just with money, but anything that makes you not want to live. Money is a great spiritual teacher because it gets your attention faster than anything else because it affects everything urgently. Like we can, I went 45 years as a miserable spinster. By the way, not that there's anything wrong being single. I just drank the Disney princess Kool-Aid at a young age and really internalized (laughs) We can go a long time, you know, unhappy in love or having, you know, health issues and stuff like that. But, whoa, money gets us in action really, really fast. So if that's your spiritual teacher, yay, because that has the quickest turnaround. So with your monster, that's what we want is we want a monster for you that delights in torturing you and hurting those you love. We'll go after your children with all of your issues, just to hurt you. And so we want it to be that intolerable, to embody everything that doesn't belong in your world, not just all of the negative feelings and beliefs that you had about yourself and life. But honestly, that monster that you had two years ago wanted to make your kids without a mother. Like, how mean and abusive is that? So you want it to be that real and that vivid and that emotional. And if when I have clients who have had like dramatic incidents in their life that like I had a client many years ago whose father held her hand over the flame. We have no idea why, but that was such a vivid abusive memory that we used that, that that monster is a child abuser. And so we want it to be that bad. We're creating polarity. The first step in alchemy, which goes back tens of thousands of years, they call it negredio, the black name. We're creating a contrast. We're we're separating the lead from the gold because when we're kind of in the middle, it's what I call money mud. There's some good, there's some bad, and we're stuck. So we want to be in a place that's so uncomfortable that we are motivated to do anything necessary to end it. And that takes us to the energy that we enter step number three, which is eradicate the monster by any means necessary. And, you know, my tribe tends to be like sweet, spiritual, light worker, do-gooders, a lot of vegans. And I'm saying, I want you to destroy this being and leave no bloody bits. And there's actually especially for us, you know, really peace loving spiritual types, there is so much power going to like, especially for women and women's empowerment, because nice women aren't supposed to get angry. This is a great place to unleash your warrior goddess in all her wrath to just like, if you need to use your kids and protect your kids from this thing, 
I find that to be really, really effective for moms, you know, because we'll do stuff for our kids that we wouldn't do for ourselves to just save them from this pattern going on to them. And you, you just destroy it. I've had clients who use lightsabers and machine guns and flamethrowers and fiery pits and whatever it takes to really say only one of us is going to survive and it's me. And I will not let you be in my life anymore. And there's a power to that decision. And I really encourage you to visualize and experience and act out with everything you've got, the obliteration of this thing that has made your life so painful. It doesn't belong in your life anymore. And that creates this energetic vacuum. And that's what leads to the second half. You know, when I talk about making money fall in love with you, we need to clear the space. There isn't room enough in your bed to have the monster and its opposite at the same time because the monster will always get in the way. So we want to get rid of the monster first. And that creates space for a completely different experience than you've ever had in your life. And we call it money, or I call it money, because that was the area that needed my love and healing. But even then, I was really, really aware that it had nothing to do with money. It was really my relationship with life. But our financial situation is a really great symptom of what's going on in our bigger relationship with life. And it's really easy to measure. <laughs> and I said, I've, I've coached clients with tens, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars with who had a lot of financial anxiety, were targets, had relationship problems where money was getting in the way of love. And that's how we knew that they had money monsters. And when we change that, things change. The relationships got so much better. The drama went away and they felt secure. And this is, by the way, something you know we all need to know. Our anxiety with life and even our anxiety with money doesn't go away just because the dollars get bigger. And we like big dollars, but mm -hmm. we want to have that kind of great inner foundation on our experience of life. That's why I was thrilled when the, I found out this episode is 444 and you read what it was, is trust, have faith, that things are working out well in your life. That's a beautiful place to come back to. And every day I have this coaching program called Results Accelerator that I put myself into as a participant in as well as a coach because it's a great structure for me. And there are these daily questions that I answer every day because I love little baby steps is kind of my religion. And the first one is what is your number one priority today? And what I wrote for today is choose magic and happiness and trust the process. So I feel like really validated when you shared with me what 444. Yeah, that, that's pretty incredible. Isn't it? Yeah. So I have a question for you. When I was watching some Abraham Hicks seminars, one of the things that came up very often was when you're having a bad day, you know, when you're just in a really foul mood, take a nap. What is your opinion on that? Well, I have two opinions on that. One, that may be exactly what you need, mm -hmm. you know, self-care. And I also have another opinion, which is don't ignore what needs to be addressed, 
even bad feelings and traumas are messengers, opportunities yeah. for evolution and for empowerment. And nobody likes going into the money monster stuff, especially me. And I've tried skipping that and nothing happens <laughs> without, it's like the portal. So sometimes the answer is take a nap and sometimes it's not. And really, you know, try both. You're the best arbiter of what works for you. When the monster is gone, can I get to the fun part now? Oh, please, yes. <laughs> there is a fun part, really. So I got rid of my biker, you know, back in, I think, beginning of 2003. That was so scary. I got rid of my biker. And that created a new problem because I'm living in Los Angeles. And I've just rejected money. And that's not going to work for more than 30 seconds. And so I knew I needed a new relationship with money because I had this empty space. And I didn't want any new monsters coming into that space. So I thought really quickly to myself, well, who could I want in my life so much that I'd be willing to have this person in my life, even if it's money, because money has been such an area of pain and failure and discouragement and hurt. And I really don't want to have a relationship with money. So it better be a really awesome person. And immediately in my mind's eye, this tall, dark, handsome, romantic young man popped up in a tuxedo with a bouquet of red flowers who loved me and wanted to woo me, which was really cool and weird. And by the way, I had a boyfriend at the time. So you get to have both. You cannot physically cheat on your human honey with your imaginary friend. Just putting that out there because that comes up all the time. <laughs> I had one. Ah. It was my husband before I knew that I was ever going to get divorced and find him someday. Well, it's funny. For years, I was saying, don't make your money, honey, look like your husband because your husband is human and needs to be allowed to be flawed and have faults and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, I mean, this was a faceless guy who didn't look anything like my husband at the time. Okay, so you get to keep that. Yeah. And by the way, I'm such a hypocrite because last time I did the process, all I could come up with was a money honey that looked like my husband, you know? <laughs> so that's what my money honey wants to look like right now because they're on the same team. And that may change at some time in the future. But, you know, I just go with what works and I advise everybody listening to do the same. So here I have this cute new money in quotations and I got a sense of how I'd been breaking his heart for years by treating him like a monster. And by the way, this is why the money honey works better as a lover archetype than anything else. I learned this after maybe a year of coaching other people through the process after I had like instantaneous, really dramatic money results after finishing the process. But it's with early clients, they would have money honeys that we didn't call it money honey at the time that came later, but they would have new relationships with money that were dogs and were cats. And I love dogs and cats, but they don't know crap about money. And there's not the same quality of intimacy, I should hope, or equality that you have with a lover. You know, like a lover, you can break his heart. And so you really, you don't want Gandhi or Oprah or God to be your money honey because then you are not on equal footing. And you want this to be a partnership that empowers you, not that gives your power away to the, some other entity. So that's what I figured out. And that's when my clients started making lots of money. 
so not a sneaky little leprechaun who's carrying around the pot of gold either. Oh, don't, don't, don't. That's just another monster that makes you, you know, the... I'm not trying to make a joke out of it, but I was like, just... Yeah, no, I would say that's like, that's just a monster in disguise. Because then you're on the receiving end instead of the creative end. Like it's, so you're totally at the mercy of whether the leprechaun likes you or not that day. So you don't want that. You want the love to come first, the cash follows, but the relationship always comes first. So you want somebody that you can love with your full heart. And that's step number four, meeting your money, honey. Step number five is having a conversation. So in my case, I asked this cute guy, wow, I could really feel that he wanted to be with me. And it was I was the gatekeeper. I've been pushing him away. And I got curious and I said, what do you need from me so you can stay with me? I didn't say, what do you need from me so you can love me? Because that's a given. He had been loving me no matter what I had done for many, many years. But I had the power and I needed to know what he needed from me to allow him to stay with me the way he wanted to. And the great thing is when you ask a question, you hear an answer. And when I asked that, and this is the first time we had a conversation. He said, I need you to love me and to stop treating me like a monster. And it wasn't that scary love of money is the root of all evil rubbish because love is love. Love is never evil. Love is not greed. Love is not avarice. Love is not exploitation. Love is not scarcity. Love is the opposite. Love is expansive and generous and noble and selfless and wonderful and divine. And that's the only love we talk about here. The love that makes you your best self. And the love that just pours out of you without asking anything. It's just, wow, I just love you. It's not like, I love you, give me a car. And so I got that, that he just, the sweet, sweet guy needed my love and was like, okay, you got it. And then we made a decision that next time he sent me a gift, which usually would look like a potential client, instead of freaking out about the money conversation, like it's some ugly, dark, embarrassing monster, I would just state my fee as if he were this loving, kind, beautiful person, and then let a client make up her own mind. And the next day, four people hired me at double what I'd ever charged before. And they kept coming. And I've made millions since then. And I'm the girl who could barely scrape together $100 a month. That's incredible. Wow. It's really about love. I mean, the more loving you are, mm -hmm. the more money you make. But not the kind of loving where you sacrifice yourself and don't love yourself. Being loving and of service and helping others, but also having healthy boundaries is like a really big lesson, especially for us women. I think oh, we're yeah. actually taught not to have healthy boundaries. Well, after that night that I told you about, I realized that I was just doing my business wrong. Mm. To sum it up really short, that's the best way I can put it. And one of the first steps I needed to take was really to just take care of myself and start sleeping again. But I was somewhat resistant to it because I was afraid that by sleeping more, like by actually giving myself the self-care that I needed, that I was going to be taking myself away from work and not making as much. But in all actuality, by loving myself more, my income quadrupled. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yep. 
I'm like, my money, honey, and I are just totally nodding our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that will make your money, honey, the happiest is self-love. I have a, a quick story about a, a client based in, at the time in Canada, who called into a live show that I was doing, and I did, and this is like tightrope walking, it's so scary, you know, coaching a total stranger in front of all these people, but I used to do that a lot, and and thank God I never kind of fell off the tightrope, so talking about Katie, she called in, and I coached her, and we uncovered the root cause behind her money monster, a lot of dark, you know, family history stuff, Holocaust stuff, just in female, and all that kind of stuff, created this really big monster and she destroyed it and she had this money honey and when we got to the final step what concrete measurable action would she take her money honey wanted her to go skating and they agreed and then she didn't do it because she was so financially stressed and that seemed so frivolous so even though they agreed she kept putting it off because she had so much work to do she had to make money and she wasn't making no change was happening the first day and then no change the next day and i think on the third or fourth day she relented and she went skating with her 10-year-old son and they had this beautiful time and they connected in a deep heart way and she came home and she got a phone call and received $10,000 without even asking for it Wow. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. (laughs) It's become a lot more since then. Mm. Wow. Listeners, I would love to hear what you have gotten out of this episode. And I know Morgana would love to hear as well. So if you could just give us a moment of your time and go over to the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP444. I mean, I'd love to hear what your money monster looks like and also what your money honey I mean, tell us about them. Just leave a note in the show notes or in the comments area below the show notes. If we have time, I have one more quick story I want to share because it ties into we were talking about feeling suicidal. Yes, please. Yes. A few years ago, I was speaking out of town. And after I'd finished speaking, a woman came up to me and confessed to me that she was feeling suicidal. And because I've been there and I know what it's like, I take it really seriously. And I said to her exactly what I would have wanted or needed somebody to say to me, which is that I've been there and just stay alive. It will get better, but just stay alive. And I didn't try to sell anything to her, but she bought my money goddess home study program that I was offering at that event. And so she was doing it. And Because she was in such a really dark place, she had this huge advantage. It's like really easy to get to the money monster when you're in pain. It can be a lot more work when you're not. And so the first time she did the process on her own, and I'm sharing this with you because you can do it on your own. Like maybe as a coach, I'm supposed to pretend that you need me. But personally, there are seven and a half billion people on the planet. And I'd really (laughs) like as many people as possible to be able to get there on their own. So she did the process on her own the first time and that day received out of the blue $10,000. And then she did it again because she came up with some more Money Monster material like three days later and then received $30,000 out of the blue that she wasn't expecting. And then three weeks into it, we had this 15-minute quick start call and I heard more stuff that she could use to get to an even deeper monster. And she had had her house on the market for two years. I think it was priced for $1.2 million. And nobody had requested a view of it for over a year. So we have our quick little 15-minute 
laser coaching session. And that day, her broker gets a request to see that house and it sold that weekend. So that was like, oh my gosh, over $1.2 million in three weeks. And wow. that, I say the person who's in the most pain, congratulations, you, you're like, you're so close to the change already. I absolutely love that. Just keep on living. Yeah, I'm borrowing that. Keep on living. Yeah. Morgana, this has been absolutely amazing. I would love if you would share with listeners where they can find you online, connect, get enrolled in any of your programs, and just learn more about everything that you do. The best place to go is my main website. It's just my name, Morgana ray.com morgan with an a at the end rae.com and there's just loads and loads of free high quality resources there get started with my what i call my four-part money magnetic video series to get you started on the money monster money honey transformation i also have a money love quiz where you can assess where you are on the journey because i call it a journey hundreds of videos and articles on my blog book. If you get my book, you'll see it on the homepage. Here's a secret. It's sold on Amazon. If you come back to my website, to the book page on my menu, and you enter your name and email address, you will get a secret bonus to our Q&A call recording that I did that goes really deep into the questions that come up once people start doing the process and figuring out what they don't know. So like, I honestly, I try to get everything I possibly can right now here and here, hoping that there are great breakthroughs to you, the listener. But I also want to support you because I don't expect anybody to master this in like the first hour. So yeah, go to MorganaRay.com so that I can support you there. Amazing. Listeners, if you are driving or working out right now and can't write that down again, it will be in the show notes at thekimsatin.com forward slash PP444. I don't think anybody's going to be able to forget that number. Mm, I won't. Yeah, me and neither. If you do right now, we're going to have to look that up as soon as we get off the call. Uh huh. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yeah, this is my big conviction right now is that when you're doing everything that you're supposed to do to get a goal, whether it's money or it's love or it's health, and you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing and you aren't getting results, and I know how much that hurts, here's what I've learned just from coaching so many thousands of people and seeing this over and over again, is when you're doing everything right and you aren't getting the results you desire, on a deeper unconscious level, you are simply protecting yourself. You are protecting yourself. It, you may, it may not make sense consciously, but you are protecting yourself from a perceived danger. And so what you need to do is you need to find out what the danger is so that it can be safe to have what you want. Because when you're pursuing it while you're protecting yourself, it's like driving with the brakes on. And it's really frustrating and it's a lot of effort and you don't get very far. But as soon as you make it safe, especially for us women, holy cow, that's when things happen really fast. I believe that change happens at the speed of safety 
and you deserve to have what you want and need to be happy and have it be safe. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Thank you.